In general, the season of Lent does not present us with new things, things we have never heard before. It's calling us back to what we should already know, and we do know, but we either forget or we just don't put into practice. One thing that we know, we knew it before Ash Wednesday, is that superficial changes are not very significant, and that's why we call them superficial. So if you gave up coffee or gave up Facebook or something a week ago, you might not be much different than you were before you gave up coffee or Facebook or chocolate or whatever. Remember what we learned on, or what we were reminded of on Ash Wednesday, we shouldn't be doing religious acts for people to see. Don't do it just to impress people. Don't do it just to make a show of yourself. That's superficial. That's hypocrisy. And the reward you get in the moment, and there's no lasting effect, no fruit. We know that. I mean, we, uh, we, we know that. It, uh, no one wants to just be superficial. No one wants to pretend to be different. We know that Lent is calling us to a, an inner change, a deeper change. We have heard before, in fact, just a couple of weeks ago, we heard this gospel from the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus advances the demand of the commandments from more external behavior to inner change. The external, external behavior is don't kill. Don't kill. Okay? Anybody kill anyone lately? Not many, not many murderers around. But then he says, but I say to you, whoever is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. And that one challenges us because we might have been angry with someone, brother, fam family member, spouse, this morning. <laughs> but, you know, but by the time, between the time we woke up this morning and the time we walked into the chapel, we could have easily fallen into this very problem, anger at a brother or a sister, or a, or a household helper, or a, or a spouse. You see, this is the challenge. Well, now, it's not simply that I, I don't kill that person, but that I can't harbor anger against him or her. So this is where Lent is, is directing us, to this inner change. Jesus, in order to make this clear, says this opens the this part of the Sermon on the Mount with this this really disturbing statement unless your righteousness unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees you will not enter the kingdom of heaven well the scribes and the Pharisees were the best going at the time they were the righteous ones so to say your righteousness has to surpass theirs is like saying you have to be better than the best. You have to do better than the people who have been doing well for a long time. The public examples of good people, you have to be better than them. So how can he say that? Because the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees was on the surface. It was, it was hypocrisy. They just looked good, but they weren't really good. So this challenge 
is to us, it's also a, a, a warning to scribes and Pharisees, don't be so satisfied with your appearance of righteousness. But it's a challenge to all of us. Wow, now what do I do? I can't just look good. I have to make a change. And this is, this is where Lent is, uh, is drawing at us. Now, we have reflected at other times, many times, about this issue of anger. What I'd like to do for now is, is reflect more on the first reading, the passage from the prophet Ezekiel about the difference between the, the, the wicked man who converts and becomes virtuous and the virtuous man who falls back or falls into uh, doing evil. The first part of this prophecy we like very much. Well, if a wicked man turns away from, from the evil that he does, he turns away from sin, well then his, all his crimes will not be remembered, he will live. We say, wow, that's really beautiful. That that's, gives hope to all of us who have been, been wicked or who have ever done anything wrong or anyone who's been evil. There's, there's really hope for conversion. And, and we love this, this uh, statement of the Lord. He says, well, do, I deprive, do I derive any pleasure from the death of the wicked? Do I want people to die? Do I, do I want people to be condemned? No. I rejoice when people turn from their evil way so that I can fill them with life. That's what God wants. And that's what we want. So that part, I think, is not that hard to accept that it's possible to turn away from evil and become good. That's the path we're on, we hope, for Lent. But then the second part of this reading says, well, what about this virtuous man who turns away from the path of virtue to do evil? None of his virtuous deeds will be remembered. He'll die. And they say, well, it doesn't seem fair. <laughs> you know, a person's good all his life, and all of a sudden he you know, makes some bad, bad moves, and then he has to die. This is exactly how we react. Well, I mean, you're so merciful to evil people. Why aren't you merciful to good people? Remember, this is the exact reaction of the scribes and Pharisees when Jesus reached out to the tax collectors and prostitutes. They said, well, what are you doing? What are you doing favoring those people? What about us, good people? It's not fair. I hope you can feel that because that's really how we react when, when we realize that our, that our turning away from goodness is going to destroy us and God doesn't just overlook our sins if we don't repent. We say, oh gosh, it's not fair. I've been, you know, here trying to be good all my life and then somebody at the last minute, like the good thief at the crucifixion, all of a sudden, all he has to do is say, remember me when you come into your kingdom and he gets in and I can't. What's being revealed here is not God's <laughs> hatred of good people and love for evil people. God loves all people. What's being revealed here is that we put ourselves in the category that we end up in. If we turn away from evil, we, we by our own decisions, with God's help, become good, become virtuous. That's what we should always be striving to do, of course. But if we give up on that and say, well, forget this, I'm going to do what I want, 
some evil thing, we put ourselves in the category of evil people. It's our own choice. And it's the, if we get the consequence of our own choice. See, what happens is we think we're good. We think we're good. And that if we do something wrong, well, it doesn't change all that much. That's, we're wrong about that. We can actually change ourselves from being virtuous to being evil. And we can do it in one day. It's possible. So don't, don't live in the illusion that you've built up enough good things that you're a good enough Pharisee now that you can make it. That's a, that's, that's a wrong way of thinking. It's, in fact, it's superficial thinking. God wants this change of heart, and a change of heart is a, is a real change. We really can change with God's help. We really can change. If we can change for good, then we can also change for evil. So God has entrusted to us this kind of, this power, this freedom, and we are responsible for ourselves. God is on the side of our virtue, of our side of goodness. He does not derive any pleasure from our death. He doesn't want us to die. He doesn't want us to fall into sin. He doesn't want us to turn away from the path of goodness and virtue and do abominable things. No, he doesn't want any of that. <clears throat> he rejoices when we turn away from evil and do good. That's clear from the, from the prophecy. But if we turn away from him, if we use, if we misuse our freedom to, to walk out the door, well, then we're outside the house of the Father. And that's real change. See, what, what we sometimes do is we maximize our evaluation of other people's sins and we minimize evaluation of our own sins. In fact, God looks at everyone with love and with mercy. He doesn't maximize or minimize. He lives in the, he's the truth, he's love. When someone has really turned away from sin, even if it's at the last minute, he says, welcome home, come on back, prodigal son. But if someone who claims to have been living a good life all his life and, and, and walks out the door and says, I'm going to do evil now, God does not say, no, I, you can't leave. He says, he says, don't do it, but he doesn't stop us. He, but he's, he grieves when we leave him. And he rejoices when we return. Lent is a time to return, a time to return to God, a time to get past superficial change, to make, to make decisions from the heart and put those decisions into practice. I will, with God's help, leave these sins behind. I will, I will really dedicate myself to the will of God and to what's good for others. I'm not just trying to impress people or just satisfy my own ideas about what's good, I'm going to really change with God's help. So that's where, that's where Lent is, that's where we are on this journey. This is First Friday, we, we put our trust in the mercy of God, we entrust ourselves to the Sacred Heart of Jesus, we, we realize everything is on our side, we have everything going for us except ourselves. Our only, our only real enemy, of course Satan is our enemy, but he can't do anything unless we let him. 
our real enemy is ourselves. We have to. Ch- we are the ones who have to make the decision to turn away from evil, and 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 follow the way of God. And when we do it, God rejoices. So let us rejoice in the goodness of God and be dedicated to His will.